Welcome to this message from Port Life Church. Our goal is to bring life to the Port community and beyond. And our hope is that this message will inspire and encourage you today. Good morning. All right, I want to start with, we've got to go back two weeks ago, because, you know, a lot has happened in the last two weeks. We had Easter in between, and, um, gee, there's a lot that's gone on. I was in COVID lockdown. There's all sorts of crazy things have happened. But I did talk about the Roman road um, a couple of weeks ago. Can anyone remember the three scriptures? If we want to ever talk to someone about the uh, gospel, and we're not really sure... um, what we're really saying. We've got three scriptures that are really easy to help us uh, remember what we should be talking about. Does anyone want to give me... Romans 3.23 is the first one. I reckon... What, does anyone under 18 reckon they can tell me the second one? Who, who knows it? Anyone? First one was Romans 3.23. Second one? Six, 6.23. David, you are not under 18 though. And 10.13, good pastor's daughter there, excellent. Those three scriptures, Romans 3.23, 6.23, 10.13, it's so important that you remember these because I actually think they are such an easy way for us to remember um, the story of the gospel. For all have sinned is the first one it talks about. The second one, for the wages of sin is death. But the final one, for anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be Saved. It's a little bit of a framework for us to remember the gospel. The gospel is, in a way, it is unimaginable, it is beautiful, it is powerful, but it is wonderfully complex. If you start studying this thing, it is extremely complex to get to the bottom of what is really going on here. But at a simple level, we like to say it's good news. It explains how God made a way for all of us to be saved from eternal death. And it's good news because it's a gift. There's nothing that you and I can do to earn it. And the Bible's also very clear that not everybody will receive this gift. We have to actually accept it. And some people don't actually want to accept it. Some people are not interested. Um, I think it's because partly they're drawn to other things. People are drawn to other paths and who can blame them? There are some paths that look very attractive to me. Some actually look amazing, like the rich life. Having access to every earthly pleasure. Um, It's something that we probably can't really imagine. But can you imagine if you had the life where you wake up in the morning, you go, where should we go for breakfast this morning? And then where should we go for lunch? Where should we go for dinner? What overseas country should we go to next month? Let's go to Italy. Um, It's not happening. (laughs) Not unless there's $99 flights coming out tomorrow. Can you imagine this sort of lifestyle where you... What car do you want? Oh, I'm sick of the BMW. Let's get a Merc. Let's... Why not, you know? Like, can you imagine a lifestyle where you can just do whatever you want and money is no issue. It's not later till you realise, well, I mean, you realise, but you don't really think about it, that it's not everything. At the time, it's everything. But you know what? We all know you can't take it with you. And at that point, it's a dead end. 
Other paths are like this massive, big adventure and like the life of a traveller. Have you seen these travellers that they go around the world and they just take photos of things or videos and they put it on social media and people pay them to, to live a life of just travel? Who likes that idea of a life? Just travelling for free at the expense of others are paying for you to travel. It seems crazy, but the problem is, eventually, you get old, or you get sick, and then it's all over. It's another dead end. You know, another path might have us chasing success and holding powerful positions, and you know, people that hold these massive, powerful positions, particularly CEOs and leaders of countries and all of these hugely difficult roles, I don't envy them at all because we don't know the work that they've had to get into to get to those positions, the sacrifices they've had to make, the ridiculous long hours they've had to do to get to those positions, the stress that is put on their body and their family. And yet even them... At some point, they get replaced. They get forgotten and they die. It's another dead end. Then you've got all those billions of people that throughout the course of history have tried in so many ways to please God, to avoid the dead end, because they know that dead end is coming. I mean, who wouldn't want to live in eternity, for eternity in paradise? But most people realise that, you know, nothing comes for free. We're taught to believe this and, and nothing comes for free in this case as well. And so people do all these interesting, different things to try and please God. But the goal is the same. Pretty much you've got to try and do enough to get into heaven. But the problem is that everything that you and I do, everything that we try to do to get into heaven is a dead end. It just doesn't work. It might, it might feel good, it might look great, but it's still going to end in death. Everything we do leads to a dead end. And today my sermon is called Dead Ends. Here's some common dead end paths that we take. The first one is the right path. The thought is, it's simple, I'm going to be a really good person. I'm going to be a good person. God is far more likely to accept me if I'm a good person, so I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to do nice things for other people, I determine. I'm going to give to charity. I'm going to walk old people across the road. I am going to let people walk in front of me in the line. I'm going to wave at people when I'm in my car. I'm going to let people know that their car lights are on if they've left them on and I've noticed them leave their car. It's trying to be accepted by God by doing good stuff. And if this is you, here's what the scripture says. It says, know this, God will surely give full recompense to all for what they have done. For nothing can be hidden from his knowledge. Therefore, be careful to keep the right path as you have been commanded. Now, if this is you, take note where this scripture comes from.
take note. You see, Muslims, they base salvation on keeping on the right path. They earn it by being obedient. But for me, it's a dead end because I'm not a good person. I'm happy to give to church, but I really don't like giving to charity. I sometimes watch old people cross the road. I actually try to keep my position in the line. If a person annoys me, I may not tell them that their lights are on. See, I can't help but disobey God at times. And the Bible strongly rejects any beliefs that if we are good and if we obey God, we will be saved. It strongly rejects it. Look at this in Romans 3.28. It says, So we are made right with God through faith and not and not by obeying the law. It is not by your good works. It is not by being good. Romans 4.5, it says, But people are counted as righteous not because of their work. It's nothing to do with you. The right path is a dangerous path. And yet how many of us fall into that trap at times of thinking God must be happy because I did that good thing? The second one, it's a religious path. The religious person is also a good person. They like to follow religious practices and by that I mean they strictly follow it. Strictly. They may pray, time, uh, pray three times a day, no more, no less. Three times a day. They might fast a couple of days a month. They might read the Bible exactly for 30 minutes each day. They go to church every week and they give exactly 10% tithe to the offering. Now, there are some good things in this. There are some good things. As long as all those things I just mentioned that people like to do, as long as they don't do any of them to try and secure their salvation... Jesus makes this clear. He says in Matthew 7, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. We did all these good things for you, all the things you called us to do. But Jesus says, but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who breaks God's laws. It's another dead end. So even doing the things that the Bible calls us to do does not earn us eternal life. Then there's the entitled path. The early Israelites called themselves children of Israel. They thought that because they were related to Jacob's family, that guaranteed them God's favour. And nothing's actually changed. You know, there are hundreds of millions of people now that believe that because they were brought up in a Christian home, they are Christian as well. It's a trick. It's not right. It's a dead end. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that you can piggyback off your parents' faith. 
Nowhere does it say that. Instead, it says, here's what it says, Romans 10.9. If you, really important, it says if you. It doesn't say if you or your parents. It says if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not you and your family. I have no favour with God because of my parents. Galatians 3.26 says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You've probably heard this many times before, but God has no grandchildren. He's only got kids. We've then got the descendants path. When Jesus came along, this is how things worked in, in the time of Jesus. If you were a Jew, you were assured a place in heaven. Because you're a Jew. You already have a spot. Jesus decided he would address this belief. This is what he said in Matthew 3. Don't just say to each other, we're safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. I love what he says next. That means nothing. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what your descendants are. It's got nothing to do with it. It's another dead end. Paul saw it the same way. He says in Philippians 3, I was circumcised when I was eight days old, like a, a good Jew. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. I'm a member of the tribe of Benjamin. I am a real Hebrew. I'm as genuine as it gets. And yet it says in verse 7, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. It's really nothing. It's nothing. It means nothing. It gets you nowhere. And interestingly today, people do similar things. Because Australia is viewed as a Christian nation, although I think that's starting to change, of course. But we're still viewed overall as a Christian nation because there's still a lot of people that go to the census every five years and they tick the Christian box, right? But just because you were born into a Christian nation and you tick, I'm Christian in the census, that does not make you a Christian. It's a dead end. Then there's a sacrificial path. You know, one of the first really wrong theologies to enter the early church was to make self-sacrifice a condition for salvation. You know, Paul started to address this problem when he wrote to the church in the city of Colossae, and he says in Colossians 2, don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or self-sacrifice. This self-sacrifice that people were doing, it's really never been shaken off Christianity. It's still around today. It's, in, it's ingrained into it. Millions of people still think that you're more holy if you eat less or if you drink less. And your holiness depends on your ability to deny yourself anything that could be counted as pleasure. 
If you can avoid all of that, you'll be far more holy. It says in Luke 5, one day some people said to Jesus, John the Baptist's disciples fast and pray regularly, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. Why are your disciples always eating and drinking? Why do your disciples have fun? You know, some people admired John the Baptist's disciples more than they did Jesus' disciples. They thought Jesus must have it wrong. The way he's mentoring them, something's really wrong here. Because John the Baptist, all his guys, they're like, yeah, they, they do nothing. Like They fully, fully sacrifice themselves. And you know what? It shouldn't really surprise us. Some of you would know we have a, a big ministry over in Myanmar, in, in Burma. And you know who's most admired over there are the, are the monks, the Buddhist monks. You know why? Because they are self-deniers. They give up everything. They, 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 just, they live off bare bones. They don't get a lot. They live in monasteries. And they are really, really admired. They give up all their earthly pleasures. And I believe that anyone that does the same in Christianity, anyone that gives up everything and devotes themselves solely to Christ, you know what? They are to be admired. It's an admirable thing that some people do. However, according to the gospel, according to the gospel, a devout Christian that practices self-denial, one that gives up everything, is no more holy or closer to heaven than the Christian who works at the local tattoo parlour. Self-denial in itself is a dead end. No amount of self-denial, no matter, no matter how much sacrifice, self-sacrifice you do, no matter how amazing it is, it, it cannot ever earn your eye one milligram more of righteousness than what we get when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord. You don't get any more righteousness. By doing any of that, if you want to do it because you feel God's calling you to do it, you should do it. But you've got to be doing it for the right reasons. If you're doing it to gain access to heaven, you're barking up the wrong tree. Then there's a desperate path. It's very sad when you read passages in the Old Testament that just see how desperate people were to rid themselves of their guilt. They knew that they were terrible people. They knew they'd done so many wrong things. And what they would do to try and get rid of that guilt and feel like they could please God, it is horrific. It says in Micah 6, What can we bring to the Lord? What kind of offering should we give him? Should we bow before God with offerings of yearling calves? Should we offer him thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? And some did. It says in Jeremiah 7, They have built pagan shrines at Topeth, the garbage dump in the valley of Ben-Hinnon. And there they burned their sons and daughters in the fire. I have never commanded such a horrible deed. It never even crossed my mind to command such a thing. And yet they did. 
people were so guilt-ridden, so felt so horrible and, and desperately wanted to do the right thing by God that they thought, what? I've just got to give up everything that I have. And they were so desperate that they would kill their own kids. They were desperate to be accepted by God. They desperately wanted to pay for their sin. And they wanted this guilt to just go. And they thought, if I give up the thing most precious to me, surely then God will listen. So they sacrificed their kids. It's awful. It's brutal. It's, it's nothing short of pure evil. And yet people go down similar paths today. It still happens. You hear about this around the world. People still do this crazy stuff. People still think the way to please God, the only way to please God is I've got to make this huge sacrifice. If I give God all of this, hopefully he'll overlook the wrongs that I've done. Hopefully, if I just do enough. And it's basically a bribe. You're basically saying, God, if I give you all of this, can you turn the other way? Can you just turn a blind eye to what I've done? Give me a free pass. Yet again, the wages of sin is death. It's a dead end. Samuel replied in 1 Samuel 15, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. But here's the problem. We can't even obey. Sacrifice is down here. Obedience is better. We can't even do that. When it comes to trying to earn our salvation, every path that you and I take is a dead end. Being a good person, it's a dead end. Being religious, piggybacking off mum and dad, identifying as a descendant Christian because you come from a Christian nation, denying ourselves of things and willing, willingness to sacrifice everything and anything. There are some admirable things in some of that that people can do. There's some good things there. But you know what? The problem of all these things is the same. They all focus on what we have done. It's all about us. They all lead to us feeling either entitled or that it's an achievement that therefore we should get something in return. They trap us into thinking we actually deserve God's blessings and salvation. But I want to tell you this morning, I guess remind us all this morning, anything and everything that you and I do, anything that we do to try and gain salvation is a dead end. It will literally end in death. For all have sinned and the wages of sin is death. And even so, as true as the scriptures are, it doesn't stop us trying. We keep trying and we keep trying and we keep trying and we work harder and we beat ourselves up and we say, oh, I'm horrible, but I'm going to go again. But you know what? This is not the message of the gospel. You cannot buy your way into heaven. 
My salvation, your salvation is unattainable by anything that you and I manage to achieve. There's only one thing that can save me. There's only one thing that can save you. Because there's one little thing that we can do. And that is to be saved, we just have to believe. We have to believe that Jesus did it all for us. We have to believe that Jesus paid the price for our sin, which means, as it says in Romans 10.9, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's nothing else. As I said, there's a lot of good things that Christians can do, but when it comes to salvation, that is it. There's nothing more you can do. In 1 John 5, it says, We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which he has given about his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. The only path that you and I can take that does not end in a dead end is that we accept God's testimony. How do I do that? Well, we have to believe that Jesus is, first of all, the Son of God. We have to believe that he wasn't just a man that came to earth. We actually have to believe he was God. And we have to believe that he then died on a cross for our sin and rose again. If you, if you believe what I just said, you have accepted God's testimony. That's it. That's all you have to do. You have to accept that Jesus did it all for you. It sounds so easy, doesn't it? It just sounds really easy. We just have to accept it. Do you know how hard this is? Do you know how many Christians work their butts off to try and please God because they're worried because I've done a sin and I've done something wrong and now I'm worried I'm going to go to hell. So now I've got to make it up to God. This happens over and over and over again. We have to accept it. If you do this, you find the path that leads to eternal life. This is what separates Christianity from all the other faiths. It is so accessible. It is so accessible. No matter what family you come from, no matter what race you come from, no matter how poor you are, no matter how wealthy you are, no matter uh, what country you're from, no matter what you've done in the past, no matter what you'll do in the future, if you accept that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. Anyone can access this. We saw during Easter services how hard it was for people to try and access God. But we also saw that because of what Jesus did on the cross, just how easy it is now for us to access God. Because you can access God anytime, any place. You don't need to be near a church. You don't need to be with a pastor. You don't have to sacrifice your cat you don't, or, or stop eating chocolate. You don't have to sort out your life first before you can come to God. You can come to him as horrible as you are. Thank God. You just come to him as you are. You just accept that Jesus died on the cross for your sin. And you accept that it's free. There's nothing that you and I can do to add to that. 
What we have, Jesus did it all. In John 14, 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. It's the only path through Jesus Christ. All other ways are dead ends. I want to finish where I started. For all have sinned. The wages of sin is death. But everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Maybe there's someone here this morning that's heard all this before. Maybe you've heard it all before. But you've never actually acted on this because you've always thought there's, there's got to be something a little bit, it's got to be a little bit that I do. And you've never fully relied on what Jesus did for you. If you've never done that, that's the missing piece. If you've never, ever actually asked God for forgiveness for your sin and trusted that by believing that He can, he can um, forgive you of your sin because He died on the cross and that He rose again, if you actually go through that process and do that, that is what frees you. If you've been wondering, this Christianity thing, it's so hard, I just can't do it. Like I thought it would be all right, but I just can't do it because I keep doing the wrong thing. You're probably missing the point. You've probably skipped step one. And step one is we accept that Jesus did it all. That's the bit that can be missing. If you've not done that step, forget trying to be good. Forget trying to do your prayer every day and your offering and your turning up to church. They're all good things. But you're missing a step. We've got to put God first. We have to actually accept that He has done it all for me. Because when you accept that and you understand that, you know what it does? It frees you. You don't have to worry about Oh, what if I do say the wrong thing? Or what if I do do what if I do, do a sin? You will continue to sin, but you won't want to. And it over time it will change your life. But when you do sin, guess what? You're already forgiven. You don't have to worry about what will this mean for my eternity. If we understand that Jesus has paid for all of our sins, our past sins, our present sins, our future sins, they've all been paid for. You might say, yeah, but my sins are going to be really, really bad because I know that, you know, yes, I've seen that you're rude to this person and that person and God will forgive you for that, but I've done some really, really bad stuff. doesn't matter. Sin is sin. Whether I lie or whether I kill someone, they're both sin in God's eyes. He sees it all the same. It's all forgivable. Is so much freedom to be found if we just accept what Jesus did for us. And I want to encourage you this morning as the worship team come up to sing now. If you have never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Saviour, if you have never actually, as you think about it, you know what, That's, I never did that. I never said, Lord, forgive me for the things that I have done. If you've never done those things, can I encourage you? You, you need to stop everything else and do that. It is the most freeing decision that you can make and it has the most 
the, the hugest consequence for your life, that simple first step. So as we sing now, uh, I'm going to hand over to the worship team. But again, I want to encourage you, don't let this singing be a distraction if you first need to deal with God. It's really simple. Lord, forgive me for everything I've done. I ask you to come into my heart. Make me the Lord of your life. You do that and the Bible says you are saved. You are forgiven. You will spend eternity with Him. Your future is secure. Thanks for listening to this message from Port Life Church. If you have any questions, please email info at portlife.org.au. Have a great day.